0: Welcome to Canada's Property Management Podcast, your number one resource for investing, managing, and maximizing the value of your real estate assets. And now, here's your hosts, Carla Brown and Adrian Schultz, Canada's rental property experts. Okay, today we are going to talk about five things to know before investing in residential real estate. So many people want to get into this space. And Adrian, you are going to give us some great tips, I think, today. Uh, with regards to what is important for them to watch out for and be looking at before they actually make this, this decision. You and I both know it is a fantastic place to invest your money, but let's talk about what is your first step? Let's go with step number one. What do you think is most important?
1: Well, the first step to building wealth through real estate is obviously evaluating the property. So evaluating the property is a multi-prong approach between your realtor, your property manager, potentially your mortgage broker. And the terminology that you commonly hear is cap rate or capitalization rate. And many real estate listings will include an anticipated or an estimated annual performa or cash flow expectation or budget, whatever you wish to call it. And one of the things to be very cautious of, although I believe most people are well-meaning when they're marketing a rental property or a property for sale, it's very important to go through those performas and evaluate the true cost of the different expense lines before making an offer. And just from a high-level perspective or example utilities. There's nothing stopping you from calling the utility company, telling them that you're interested in buying this house and asking them, what would this property be on hydro on the budget plan or the gas budget plan? Or calling your city civic water department, municipal water department and saying, for this square footage of home with this many people in it, approximately what would the expected water usage and or cost be? So you can really drill down on the true cost of operating that rental or that revenue property without necessarily taking the Performa word for word. So really evaluating the economics and the potential cash flow of the property independent of what's being presented as part of the marketing package.
0: Yeah, so that evaluation really takes that step back and, and get out of the emotion and, the you know, the dream that you can see that you have this property that's yours and you've got tenants in there and you're getting this money every month uh, and what that looks like later on when now you have this property long term and really digging into the, the dollars and cents, which is, is so, so important. But I, I do see people skip over that. They're not, they're, or they're relying on the information that, as you said, they're relying on the information that they're taking in print possibly dealing with a realtor that maybe isn't well-versed and understanding what that all entails. So evaluating the property. Okay, let's move on to step number two. What do you think is going to be after you evaluate the property? What are we doing next before we buy this investment property?
1: Well, my second is how to understand or how to profit from the real estate investment. Most people would put that above evaluating the property, but I firmly believe it comes second. and. In property management, we focus very much on the positive cash flow, the money that is left over from the rent after the expenses have been paid, right? And a lot of people purchase rental property or revenue properties based on the potential cash flow each month or each year. And some people don't even think about the passive income tax implications of that cash flow, right? And uh, the positive cash flow and some more experienced real estate investors actually know that making capital improvements or, or maintaining the asset well can reduce your income tax burden on the passive rental income, right? Yet we all focus on the cash flow of the property. So their cash flow can mean various things, but always being aware of the passive income tax exposure on that profit or the cash flow. Personally, I firmly believe that one of the greatest advantages of investment real estate is the ability to do refinancing, commonly known as an equity takeout. And the beauty of, of the equity takeout is two-part. Number one, if it's refinanced correctly, you can actually stretch that amortization of the borrowing of up to 30 years, okay? Now you're going, but I want to pay it off fast. Mm, That's an interesting concept. No, you actually don't. What you want to do is you want to keep your debt service, your mortgage payments, the lowest possible because the interest on the mortgage is tax deductible and it lowers what is called your debt service ratio, allowing you to buy more rental properties, right? And the equity takeout portion of doing a refinance on a rental property is the equity takeout itself is tax-free cash. How often do we get to say tax-free cash? So, in my opinion, and my personal preference, how to profit from real estate is in fact refinancing the real estate that you own and doing the equity takeout. And then if you really want to get sophisticated or if you really want to save yourself money, you take that equity that you've pulled out of your rental property and you apply that against your principal home mortgage because that principal home mortgage interest is not tax deductible. So that's why Carla is always referring to the real estate team, the realtor, the property manager. And in that case, you want to have an experienced mortgage broker that understands how to structure mortgage loan financing in your best interest that you in fact truly do profit from real estate. And then The the final way to profit from real estate is, of course, the dispensing or the selling of the asset when you've completed your time of ownership. So you may have bought that rental property for $300,000 and it increased in value to $500,000 and you've done your equity takeouts uh, to the maximum possible, which is always the initial principal balance. That's your maximum principal equity takeout that you can do with tax-free cash. Uh, So then you go and sell it, right? And you're going to have that capital gain and you may have uh, tax exposure with it. But that's the final, the third, and and probably most common way of profiting from real estate is the selling of the asset, which many people refer to or connect with legacy wealth or family wealth, long-term generational wealth planning is the selling of the asset at its final stage. But as I said, my favorite, refinance equity takeout.
0: Yeah, I can see our listeners, their wheels turning right now because you just laid out for them what they really need to be aware of when they are buying an investment. It is not about my mortgage tax and insurance equals $1,000 and I'm getting 1200 for rent and I'm going to put $200 in my pocket. There's so much more to it. So making sure that you're talking to an expert like yourself is so important through this process. What about pitfalls? What kind of things should we be aware of when it comes to buying the investment?
1: Yeah. So my favorite way to profit from real estate being the refinancing of it, those equity takeouts, the pitfall is essentially we are leveraging the real estate asset to the maximum possible amount, right? So you really have to understand and have a certain comfort level with smart risk. And smart risk means. Working with a team, or in this case, working with a mortgage broker and perhaps an accountant who understands the positives and the negatives to leveraging the real estate to put you in the maximum benefit position of profiting from your real estate and also your other assets, right? So you really have to understand leveraging, you know, buying a property with too little down payment or having secondary financing or partners. Some of that can get very complex and potentially risky, and you really want to make sure that it's well planned out both in the short term and the long term so that that leverage pitfall, that that risk is well thought out, well planned out, and that you do in fact benefit From long term wealth that can be created from real estate?
0: Yeah. I mean, like any kind of investment, there is going to be a risk attached to it. So I think that as an an investor, you need to really look at your risk tolerance and invest accordingly, especially in the the early stages. And and those are some really good tips to, to really look at that. But the reason why I love real estate and have been in the industry of real estate for so long is that real estate does appreciate. It is one of those things that as far as that whole investment strategies, it's a safe one. And even though, you know, there's some been bumps along the road, but for the most part, you can see you're going to continue to gain and gain and gain. So if it is that long-term wealth, um, I always say real estate is a long-term play to get the, the most out of that asset. There's times when you should maybe dispose early on. I'm sure that you'd agree with me there. But for the most part, you're going to see that long-term slow appreciation happened. So it's like a marathon and not a sprint, the way I kind of look at it. And I and I think investors need to look at that too. Okay, now I'm going to let you really geek out here, Adrian.
1: <laughs> Are we going to talk about IT?
0: <laughs> well, you're second best to you. We're going to talk about different types of mortgages. <laughs> and I think that this is one that, that you really have so much expertise in, and I love to hear you talk about it. So let's talk about... Th- understanding the different types of mortgages when you're going in to buy an investment property.
1: Yeah, and that potentially can be another episode all on its own someday. But I'm going to focus on the most commonly known types of mortgages. And those are, of course, fixed and variable rate mortgages. Canada's financial institutions, the big banks, and some credit unions as well, have really trained consumers to believe and accept that a five-year fixed rate mortgage is in their best interest and and their sales teams or their advisors have been very well trained and educated on how to use fear as a selling tactic to make people believe that a five-year fixed rate mortgage is in fact best for them. And that could be for their primary residence or their investment property. So, We want to break that conception with good quality education over time. But I'm here to tell you that I firmly believe unless you're a single parent on a single income with no other financial resources, you should consider a variable rate mortgage. There is a consumer for whom a fixed rate mortgage may be okay, but I want to talk about the majority of Canadians and the majority of investors who should actually be putting a variable rate mortgage at the top of their list when they are buying investment real estate. And here are the reasons why. Number one, generally speaking, variable interest rates are actually going to have your total cost of borrowing be significantly less than a fixed mortgage rate. And here's just an example of how. On a fixed-rate mortgage, the penalty to get out of that mortgage when you want to refinance to do that equity takeout is an interest rate differential, which is where the banks essentially charge a very large penalty to get out of the mortgage, the fixed-rate mortgage. The beauty about a variable rate mortgage with most lenders is that the penalty to get out of a variable rate mortgage is exactly three months of the interest portion of the mortgage payment, right? Let's put that into perspective for a moment. I had a client just recently who had a mortgage with a major bank on in a fixed rate product, and she had two years left in Her mortgage, the penalty to get out was $13,000. She was wanting to refinance to buy a cottage, right? She wanted to take equity out to buy a cottage. Had she had a variable rate mortgage, her penalty would have been $1,600. So she had never been told about variable rate mortgages and even worse, she didn't understand the penalties with fixed rate mortgages, right? The bank told her that a fixed rate mortgage is the safest thing and it's in her best interest. Well, I would argue that fixed rate mortgages are primarily only in the bank's best interest and the shareholders of the banks hardly ever for the borrower. Yeah. So that's that's just one example of why a variable rate mortgage product is Better for most Canadian borrowers. And when you're building a real estate portfolio, you regularly may need to refinance certain assets in your portfolio. And you now have the freedom with a variable rate mortgage product to refinance, to do equity takeouts, potentially pay off the mortgage in its entirety whenever you choose without this exposure to large penalties.
0: Yeah, thank you for that. You know, when you're just dealing with your own personal residence, locking in has a different feel if that's what you feel your comfort zone is. I mean, we know the banks kind of spin it that way. But in investment real estate, sometimes you need to act fast. And uh, it's something that you don't just write it and then forget about it you write that mortgage and you might be looking at that mortgage every year. And that's what I think is important when you have this this power team that is going to help you with that so that you can take advantage and build that portfolio when it works best, not maybe when it works when the mortgage is, is up for renewal.
1: Are we allowed to share mistakes we've made?
0: <laughs> well, you know, I think, I think that uh, people would like to realize we're pretty human and uh, mistakes do happen. So yeah, share away.
1: Here, here's a real life scenario. My wife and I, we bought our first home together, a bungalow, about seven years ago. And two years into the ownership of that home, we began family and we had our first child. And when that first child arrived, our daughter, Ava, who's now five years old, we quickly determined that that home wasn't going to suffice size-wise and location for our long-term family needs. So all of a sudden, two years into a five-year mortgage, we went and bought a new home and we had to move. So we called and said, hey, credit union, what's our penalty to get out of this mortgage? And in error, because we had a family coming, we'd just been married, we got sort of we We bought into the fixed rate game at that time. That's seven years ago. I wouldn't do it again. And so the penalty was so big that we actually decided it was too big of a financial loss to pay that penalty. So we opted to rent out that single family home, right? And we held it for for quite a few years after that. and And recently we divested of it because it had gone up so much in value. That it couldn't have gone up anymore. I say that now, and in in five years, we'll be having a talk and I'll be saying, Do you remember that story? But we did, we divested and did well with it. The point of that story is that even experienced people sometimes get fooled by the perceived fear and risk of a variable rate mortgage, and life happens, okay? And just like life is variable, so should your mortgage.
0: Is that your tagline?
1: Uh, yeah, it, it, it's not mine. I think I heard it somewhere, but it fits.
0: Okay, okay. Um, we're going to soon wrap this one up, but we have one more point left to to cover. So I'm just I'm just going to review so far where we've been. We've evaluated the property. We're understanding the profit, where the profit comes from in the real estate investment. Some leverage pitfalls that you need to be aware of. Understanding those different types of mortgages when you're moving forward. And now what would you consider is that fifth one that we need to be aware of before we start this investing game?
1: Uh, You, the property manager. (laughs) So obviously, as a revenue property or investment property owner, you have two options. You can self-manage or you can hire a professional, licensed, experienced property manager, property management company and i think that's really where where real property management hits the spot is it is the only national property management company that has offices all across canada with consistent operational quality and workflows etc so yeah that the, the fifth thing is deciding how you're going to manage that asset and it's either on your own or using a company like rpm
0: right Thanks for that, Adrian. I think that those are great considerations all along the board for an investor or someone who's getting into the to investment real estate. So, you know, like anything, there's pros and cons, and you do need to go through this process of weighing all of those out to make sure what's right for you. And then also remember that what's right today might change tomorrow. So it's okay, and I always say that to investors. You know, especially because with my services, you might be self managing today, but you should know what our services are and how that works so that if you ever want to look at it, your portfolio grows, your life changes, kids come along, life gets busy, you're moving, you want to invest outside of your backyard. All of those things might change the the optics of that. So, okay, thanks. That was a lot of great information, a little bit longer than what we usually go, but I think well worth it. So um, I think we're going to wrap it up if that's okay. And um, yeah, until next time. Now that's real property management. Thanks for listening to Canada's Property Management Podcast. If you like this episode, please subscribe and give us a rating, which will help us reach more listeners. Until next time, connect with us on social media and online at realpm.ca.
1: Today's episode is brought to you by Century 21 Canada, the gold standard in
0: real estate. Explore listings, find an agent, and get advice at www.c21.ca.